You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning. Um, I uh, so I think about like summer vacations and getting away and find a place to relax. Um, the first thing I think about um, is the mountains. Um, I love hitting the trail, and I know some folks like to go on vacation, and their ideal vacation is sitting on the beach and chilling, reading a book, and trying to do as little as possible. Um, I don't know if it's just the way that I'm wired, but uh, when I go on vacation, I like I like to do things, and there's something about July and August getting away from the summer heat, going to the mountains, and uh, uh, the ability to get on a trail uh, and focus in. And uh, I feel like it's, it's something to accomplish. It's, it's relaxing and focused on just being outside and putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so I, I like hiking uh, and climbing, and uh, I like big, long hikes. Um, I went to the Grand Tetons um, a couple years ago and did a 22-mile day hike uh, with about 3,000 feet of elevation gain, and it was incredible. Uh, my feet did not like uh, my boots and did not want to see them again for a long time, uh, but it was incredible. That would be uh, my ideal vacation. When I think about like some of the hardest things I've ever done, like physical things, I would say um, some of those hikes are up there, Grand Tetons, uh, climbed a, a few other mountains uh, in my younger years. Um, but it was, it was uh, I don't know, incredible experience. Anyway, um, so th- we're starting a new series um, um, over the next several weeks on Judges. Uh, and in the Judges, again and again, we're going to see this uh, repeating cycle. So we're looking at Deborah today, but it's kind of the same framework again and again, right? The Israelites um, are going to do some sort of evil. We don't know the details in this particular story, what that was, uh, but they're separated from God as a result. Uh, the Lord gives them to an enemy, uh, and then that enemy represses them. And eventually, the people come to a point where they cry out to God for help, and God sends a deliverer. Um, so uh, when we look at what, what happens, we don't know a lot of details about uh, what evil they were doing, um, and, and we don't know a lot about, the, uh, about this particular enemy. We know their names. Um, it's Sisera, the, the commander of the army, and it's King Jabin of the, um, of the Canaanites. Um, but the oppression, we get some details about. Um, it's iron chariots, and Israel as a nation has some challenge against these iron chariots that go, go back with some history. So you go back to the first book, uh, first chapter of Judges, Judges chapter 1. Uh, you read this, it says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive out the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. Um, so what's the big deal about an iron chariot, right? But you, you, get, the, uh, you get the idea um, um, that... Uh, uh, they made for a formidable foe. Uh, one chariot um, could defeat many, 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 many men uh, on the battlefield with, with their speed and their protection. Uh, and you see this is what happens when, when Deborah, in the story of Deborah in chapter 4 unfolds, it says this, This army had 900 chariots fitted with iron and it cruelly oppressed the Israelites uh, for 20 years. So, um, so what we know about this army, I mean, they, were, they had a superior professional army, um, if they had iron chariots, it's, it's presumed they also had iron weapons as a result. Um, and the valleys as a result of this were ruled by the Canaanites. So uh, I don't think um, the ancient Jewish people looked at the mountains the same way I like to look at the mountains. To them, uh, it was a harder place to live. 
Uh, the land was harder to cultivate on like the valleys. Uh, water was more of a localized uh, seasonal kind of resource. Uh, the wildlife was a different, a different deal in the mountains. Uh, they're, they're dangerous. It makes life tougher. And actually, you get a, you get a sneak peek for this in chapter 5 uh, in a poem that's written as a result when Deborah conquers um, the Canaanites. Um, they write this poem, and it says this in the poem, the highways were abandoned, travelers took to winding paths. Uh, you know what it means to be on a road trip and the highway shut down. You've got to take the back road and imagine how frustrating that is. Um, this was their everyday life. Um, they were oppressed in many ways from the Canaanites, uh, forced to live in the hills, uh, and there was cruelty involved. We know that from how it's described. Um, we don't know all the details. Um, the people finally, after 20 years of this, get to the point where they cry out uh, for help. Now, I, I don't know about, about you. Um, I, uh, uh, if you were one of those people that could, could uh, listen to your parents uh, when they said, don't touch the stove, and you just wouldn't, you wouldn't do it, and you would trust it at face value, or if you had to be the person um, that had to actually um, touch it um, to learn. Uh, and it's, I think a little bit of that's what's going on. Uh, the nation of Israel finally got to the point where they, um, they had to learn a little bit of the hard way uh, about how to solve the problems. Uh, and so I think about uh, in my own life, um, maybe not just an acute physical event, but like a hard time that I went through. Uh, and when I was younger, I got the opportunity, I'm fortunate to get, go to college. Uh, and uh, I transferred from a local university to uh, a larger focused university um, that was uh, a big engineering school. I got my degree in computer science. And once I knew I wanted to do that, I wanted to focus and go to a good school for that. And I felt like I went from um, the amateurs and showed up at the pro leagues and I was in over my head. Well, that first semester um, that I was there, uh, it was a fight for survival um, to keep up with um, the classes and the homework. And over time, I was getting further and further and further behind uh, and uh, I was feeling very, very, I remember very well uh, being very overwhelmed with it. Um, and I finally got to the point uh, where I was willing to ask for help. Uh, and I don't know what that says about, uh, about me. Maybe I'm stubborn. Um, but that's when, when the solutions finally came. Uh, it was when I was actually willing to ask for help. So uh, I, I think we have to get to the point where we finally admit, like, we can't control um, all the solutions to all our problems. Uh, working harder uh, does not solve everything. Um, we can't be perfect. Uh, we're going to make some of the same mistakes over and again. Again, uh, we cannot be perfect. Um, we can't fill voids in our life on our own. Uh, and we tend to do that, uh, replacing things that were meant to be filled by God, were meant to fill by um, deeper relationships. Um, through, through purpose and meaning um, that we try to substitute. Uh, and sometimes I think we get stuck in these cycles where we um, tolerate despair and anger and anxi anxiety and, and uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we have to say, we have to cry out and say like, no, those, those can't be status quo um, in our lives. So as a result, because the nation of Israel finally got to the point where they were ready to accept a solution and realize they couldn't do it, um, God sends a deliverer. He does this in the form of Deborah. So Deborah is a unique character. She was both a judge and a prophetess, uh, as well as it mentions that she, uh, she's a wife. So it's a very rare combination. There's only three people that were a judge and a prophet. 
Uh, the first was Moses, Samuel's another, and then, and then Deborah. Um, so as a prophetess, she was a mouthpiece for God, uh, equipped through the Holy Spirit in her, in her close relationship with God. You read about prophets in the, in the Bible. They're often talked about walking with God, although some, some uh, uh, were more uh, uh, bought in and uh, uh, to it, and others like Jonah were maybe a little uh, fighting against the grain uh, at times with God. But uh, um, there's, there's only eight women uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament um, that were considered prophets or prophetesses. So Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, Anna in the New Testament, and Philip's four daughters in Acts chapter 21. She's also a judge. Um, a ju- and, she, and unlike some of the other judges in the book of Judges, uh, she wasn't a military leader. She was a civil leader. Uh, it says this in chapter 4, Israelites would come up to her to have their disputes settle. And I think about what a judge does, uh, and it's not Judge Judy, it's not entertainment. When you go to court, um, the outcomes matter immensely. And for her to have that discernment about uh, what, what's truth uh, and what uh, is the best outcome uh, in a situation, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough business. Uh, the thing she's tied with God uh, in that, and that's how she uh, could be so discerning and effective as a judge. Um, so in the story of how, what, what happens from here, so um, Deborah, um, in God's timing, sends out for Barak. We don't know a lot about him, but his name in Hebrew means lightning. Um, through Deborah, God calls for two tribes to provide 10,000 men. I want to say this is just a bunch of guys, all right? This is not a professional army. Uh, Barak refuses initially to go into battle without Deborah. Uh, and we don't know why, but I'm going to guess it's because we've got Canaanite professional army and we've got a bunch of guys with their, with their wooden uh, shepherding staffs uh, that came out of the hills um, to fight the professional army. And he's like, look, I'm not going unless you're going, crazy lady who talks to God. Um, I, uh, if you're willing to come, maybe I'll consider this. Right? I, we don't really know why, um, but he refuses to go. And as a result, unless she comes, and as a result, she says, says this, but because of the course you are taking, Barak, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So this is the actual part of Judges that's the central part of of this, this judges uh, and God's delivery of the nation of Israel. It happens kind of in the middle of the story. This is what I call the turning point or the moral of the story. Um, I'll read chapter uh, 4, 4 to 15, 14 to 15 to you. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Um, so it says here, um, it wasn't the nation of Israel that did it. We don't see the details here. It says that God did it. So if you look into chapter 5, and chapter 5 is this poem of celebration, uh, recognizing the work of God and what he's did um, that, that Deborah and Barak um, um, talk about it. So in this poem, it says this in chapter 5, verse 4. O Lord, when you departed from Sierra, when you marched from the, the Edom's plains, the earth shook. The heavens poured down, the clouds um, poured down rain. So you get, you get some more details about what happened in that battle. Here's another, some more details in verses 20 to 21. It says this, from the sky, the stars fought. From their paths in heaven, they fought against Sisera. The Kishon River carried them off. The river confronted them. So you see here, and this is where things you realize, this is 
God's battle. And he's actually fighting against the God of the Canaanites, Baal. He was the God of lightning and thunder. And it's, it's, not, it's not by circumstance that Barak's name means, means lightning. Uh, so talking about the skies fighting, I think that's talking about lightning and the earth shaking, um, the thunder and the rains that pour down as a result. And, and why is this so key in this battle? And is, why did this make all the difference? Well, if you're fighting with chariots and the ground is soaked and the rivers are flooding, how fast do you think those chariots are moving? They're not. The playing field got leveled by God. God solved the, the problem that the Israelites um, were facing. Um, so this isn't the end of the story. Um, Sisera fled on foot, uh, and, and next he goes um, to Jael's tent. I didn't talk about this earlier. This is kind of interesting. Talk about some disputes within a divided household here. Jael is the wife of Heber. Now Heber, um, he's not, um, not a Jew, and he's not a Canaanite. Um, he spotted the Jewish army coming. He was kind of had a truce with, with uh, the king. Uh, and he reported this to Sarah and actually called out Sisera's army as a result. Well, uh, so what do you think is going to happen with Jael? You'd expect his wife to be on his team, right? Well, not exactly how things turn out. So uh, Sisera comes uh, and, and uh, offers, offers him a reprieve and says she'll hide him. She'll hide him underneath a blanket at the tent. Um, Sisera is exhausted from the fight. He asks for some water. Well, instead, she doesn't give him what he asked for. And no doubt she had water. Um, she gives him milk uh, instead. And he takes a big swig of milk. I don't know about you, the last time I was exhausted and tired, drank a bunch of milk and got covered up with a blanket. Um, it's called siesta, right? So he falls asleep from exhaustion, uh, not by accident either. Uh, and you see her true intentions here come out. Um, she uses a tent peg and a hammer and... Uh, uh, she ends Sisera's life when he was asleep rolled in that, up in that blanket. Uh, and that's how he's defeated. Uh, and uh, and this, is, this is God's timing. Like, and you go back into chapter 4 and you see when it talks about um, now's the time to go, Barak. Deborah sends him out God, because of God's command. And knowing the timing, it's not just what's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen um, sometimes the solutions don't come on our time. They come on God's time. And, and Deborah knows what that timing is and sends the army out at the right time when the fields are going to be wet uh, and flooded and muddy and the chariots aren't going to work. Um, and God's final deliverance and the conquering of, of the, um, the army's um, commander in Sisera um, that doesn't happen the way you or I would pick that to happen, maybe. And for the Jewish culture, for a woman to do that uh, and to do that with violence uh, and a violent act, like that's just not how things work. That was men's work. And that's how God solved the problem. Solutions to our challenges in life and the way that God's going to work is not always going to be on our timing. And it's not always going to be by the means um, that we expect. So breaking this cycle... Uh, of this that, that they're in. I think, I think we, <laughs> at different times in our life, um, God's working different aspects and, and compartments of our life, different traits in our character, and he's working to refine us and develop us, uh, mature us, uh, right? Um, and, and, and he's not looking for us to be perfect. He's not looking for us to solve all of our problems. And we, I think, by default, try to tend to do that. Uh, what God is concerned about 
is for us crying out to him, for us seeking him, for us having a relationship with him, for trusting him, for waiting on him and his timing um, to deliver us. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, for, for seeking after us, um, maybe even when we weren't looking, uh, and to come running uh, when we cry to you. Uh, Father, that you are a God that we can trust uh, in your promises, uh, in your love for us, um, in your forgiveness for us, Father, um, that uh, you will deliver us, um, that we can wait um, with hope um, for you to come, uh, for you to work uh, mightily uh, in our lives, in the iron chariots um, that we face and the challenges that we face. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I have some next steps for you. So I challenge you to kind of think uh, and recognize maybe when things aren't going great, like what are the iron chariots um, that are challenging you that you're currently facing? Uh, and then I'd like you to open up your Bibles this week, bookmark it, open it up now, um, and, and come back to it. But look up Psalms 130. Uh, you talk about what God's most concerned about and God being concerned about our heart. Um, Psalms 130 walks through this process of crying out for God, looking for Him expectantly, um, waiting for His timing, uh, and, and uh, uh, having hope with Him in that process. Because uh, God's timing, again, is not always our timing. His solution may not come always in the form that we might expect it, um, but we know and we can trust that God's work has been done and will continue to be done. You all have a great week. It's great to be with you.